Hi, sisters. We're back. Philippians chapter four, verse eight today. This will actually be part one of a part two series where we'll be delving into meditate on these things. What is it that Paul wants us to meditate on? Today, we're going to look at truth. What is truth? Enjoy. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi guys. Thanks again for coming along and listening and learning from Philippians chapter four. We are actually in verse eight this week, and this will be a several part series just in verse eight, because Paul gives us so many amazing tools to continue as we've been talking about a church that was threatened by disunity. The the two women have taken their eyes off of Christ, off his kingdom, off of the purpose of building his kingdom together as one body is him in the head. And this had created anxiety. Clearly there was some anxiety going on. There was worry going on. And so we had talked about that last time about, you know, not to be anxious for anything, but how do we not be anxious, especially in the world where people are so full of anxiety and so full of worry. And so we talked about, um, you know, making our prayer life an intentional walk with God daily and making our supplications known, having that detailed prayer life with him, and then trusting that he is going to handle all of, all of our worries, all of the things that come our way. And then we will have this peace that surpasses our own understanding and it'll guard our heart from the enemy of our mind, the enemy of our soul, the things in which we're going going on out there. Well, he's going to continue to give us some tools on how to have an intentional Christian walk. We are in Babylon, you guys. We are in a, a culture that is so full of distractions. We are constantly inundated with anything and everything to keep us from truly walking with peace and with joy and also intentional you know, to be intentional because we have so many distractions that just really fuel uh, the flesh or the sin that dwells in us and the comfort and, and the, the pleasure and all those things are, our senses are on overload to keep ourselves walking in a constant state of pleasure. And so as we go into verse eight here, I'm going to read the whole verse, but we're only going to touch on one 
portion of it today. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if this is any virtue and if this is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, this word meditate here is the Greek word lagazime, lagazima, lagazime. I do my best with Greek. So what it means, though, to dwell on these things, it means to reckon your mind with or come into agreement with or determine or decide that this is truth. And this is or what it, what what this particular thing and we're going to go through each one. It's an account. It's an accounting term, which means to come into agreement, come into balance, come into truth with what is being said. So when we were going through Romans 6, 11, I talked about how this word was used in this particular passage as well, where Paul uses this word to tell the audience that we need to reckon their mind to the fact that they're dead to sin. So what, what this means is we must come into agreement with what Paul is about to say here. We have to come in agreement with what the word of God says, not what our circumstances says, not with what the culture says, not with what a false teacher says or our feelings and emotions, but we must take our mind. We've been given the mind of Christ. We've been given this beautiful brain and we must use this brain to come into agreement with what the word of God is. And in Romans, it's we're dead to sin. And that's a whole nother teaching, which you can go see on YouTube where that's over there when I do Romans six. So we are called to come into agreement with, to make a determination, to reckon our minds with whatever truth as we're going to be coming down through this list. So the first one we're going to look at, and this is going to be the teaching. And this one we're going to do is on truth. And we're going to spend some time on this one because it says here, he says, finally, brother, whatever things are true, meditate on whatever is true. We live in an era now where truth has become relative. Truth has become what your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And that's the truth. We no longer rest in an absolute truth. And we have, we are, we are ran by emotions and feelings and pragmatism. Basically, if it works for you, it's good. If it makes me feel good, if it worked for me, then it must be true. And Paul knew this even back then Gnostics were coming in and, and using Gnosticism, divine revelation, greater revelation, feelings, emotions to, to try to detour the believers from the gospel that was just preached to them. We have that same thing going on today. We live in a very pragmatic feeling, emotion, entertainment driven society and unfortunately, that has really crept into the church in the past 50 to 70 years. So what has happened is we now or look down upon critical thinking or when someone wants to bring correction to a false teaching or about a false teacher and use the word of God to bring correction, we are now persecuted and said, well, you must have a religious spirit. That's a Pharisee spirit or don't judge but we're called to judge rightly. And this is what's going on. And so it's stifling the Christian from using the word of God to bring correction to an emotion or a feeling that's 
incorrect to the word of God. And Paul knew it was happening in his day. And, and Jesus warned us it was going to happen before he returns. He said that this was exactly what was going to happen. The agents of Satan, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 13 through 15, they were going to come as agents of righteousness. So they were going to look righteous. They were going to, they were going to talk about the Bible. They were going to say the name Jesus, but they were teaching falsely in order to deceive the people. And these are Satan's agents that have crept into the church. And of course, they're going to look and talk and act like a Christian and, and use the Christianese, but they're actually teaching a false gospel or false teachings. And so we must Come into agreement, take the time to meditate on, dwell upon the truth. And the truth is the word of God. God has been so gracious to leave us this beautiful scriptures written by him through men. He has preserved it through the generations for you and me so that we do not have to be deceived. We do not have to be led astray by doctrines of demons and agents of Satan who come as agents of righteousness and false prophets and false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing. We have that protection by the spirit of God in his, in his word. Jesus said, you worship me in spirit and in truth. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be worshiping, by, worshiping him in truth, only truth can give him true worship. So as the Bible talks about, we have the mind of Christ and we need to rightly divide the word of truth. We see this with the Bereans in Acts where Paul came in and preached Christ crucified and said, your Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. He was the one that was crucified as a criminal on the cross. And he rose again three days later. He is God in the flesh. He is your Messiah. They did not just take his word for it. No matter the fact that Paul says, hey, I'm an apostle. I sat at the feet of Jesus. I learned from him in the Arabian desert. I have these signs and wonders. No, they took their mind that God gave them and the scriptures that they had had at that time, which would have been the Old Testament. And they, they looked and they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was teaching them was truth. And that he commended them for. For a couple reasons. One is because in Acts 20, when Paul had spent that day and night with the with the with the Ephesians, and he knew he was getting ready to leave. He was there for three years. He taught them all the things he knew. He taught them everything that Jesus taught them. He labored with them. He did not leave any stone on turn. He says, I gave you the whole counsel of God. And he was with them day and night, teaching and, and teaching them all the things of the New Testament church the Messiah, everything that they needed to know. He said, I'm telling you, the second I turn my back, the second I leave here, wolves are going to come in and they are not going to spare the flock. And they are going to bring in destructive heresies and doctrines of demons. And they are going to get some of the sheep. They're going to get them. They're going to get some of the flock. And so he commanded the elders to protect the apostles teaching, protect what Paul had taught them and to continue to teach what he taught and, and to help the people that he's leaving behind continue to labor in the truth. And so when he saw these good Bereans so willing to say, 
we're not just going to take your word for it. We're going to go and search it out in the scriptures ourselves. That left him with assurance that when these wolves come in, that these Bereans, if they weren't willing to just take anything that Paul said and not take it back to the scripture, how much more are they going to have these wolves and these strangers come in that are going to try to teach things? He knows that they are going to be okay because they're going to they're going to go back to the word and they're going to go back to the teachings that Paul taught them and go, mm, that's not truth. That I don't care if you gave me an experience. Remember Simon in the book of Acts was giving the, the Sumerians an experience with, with witchcraft, with, with magic. And they were all swayed by him because of it. But then Philip comes in and, and then they, and the apostles come in and they see the true spirit of God. And they're like, Whoa, that's a power we've never seen before. Even Simon was like, that's a power we've never seen before. He wanted to buy that power. Right. So we can have these experiences, but they're not of God. So what we cannot take our experience and trump the word of God. Rather, we need to hold every experience, no matter how it comes or who comes by to the word of God, as is this a genuine experience from God, or is it an experience that could be coming from another spirit, or could it be an experience with science? Because guys, there's a such thing as um psychosomatic experiences, there's such thing as placebo effect, mind over matter. And there's, there's ways to make you have an experience with music. There's a way to make you have an experience with lighting. There's a way to make you have an experience with eloquent speakers and, and speeches. And science knows this. And the church now knows this. And because we are a culture of entertainment and a culture of experience, the church has now moved into an entertainment type center. They know that you're coming there with an expectation of an experience so that you think that you had an experience with God. And so they play the music just right. They have the lighting just right. They make sure to always have an eloquent speaker, someone who can step up on the stage and eloquently bring forth a message, bring the message about you, get you primed and ready to hear about how you, how you can feel better and you can be better. And so these things are real. Now, not every church is like this, of course not, but these are dangers and things that we need to look out for. Taking everything back to the word of God, because somebody has a lot of followers does not mean that they are teaching and preaching the right thing. Even if somebody doesn't have hardly any followers, same thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, if they look good, if they speak well, do is, are they teaching truth? Have you come to place in your life where you are willing to dwell on truth. So today, truth, we hear, well, truth is relative. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, but that's not true. How do we know this? I can say to you that I think the most beautiful color is pink. Pink is the most beautiful color on the planet. And so it has to be true. Now that's what relativism would say. It has to be true because it's my truth. Even though you would say, well, no, I don't like pink. I actually think red is a much more beautiful color. See, we have taken opinions and made them truth. Truth is not an opinion. Truth is truth. It can be observed. It can be seen. It is truth. So if I come to you and I say, I am wearing a pink shirt, that is truth. You can look at me, you can observe me, and it is a pink shirt. Even if you want it to be purple, it is not purple. It, that is, this is not the color purple. And so your truth is not my truth. It is, there's opinions, and then there's an absolute truth. 
So we have to come into agreement with truth. And that truth isn't always going to be something that you like. It isn't always going to be something that's going to make you feel good. It may not even be something we fully understand, but there's only one truth. That truth is God. That truth is his word. And we have a brain that has been given to us. And we have a spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, that helps us to determine truth. That's why in John, when he says, you do not worry, need to worry about what man teaches you for the Holy Spirit will teach you. He's talking about false teachers. He's not talking about, you don't need teachers. We need teachers. Teachers is one of the giftings that's been given to the body to build the body up to maturity. We need good teachers. And he even says in James, I hope that not many of you become teachers because you're going to go through a stricter judgment. It's not a good thing to have multitudes of teachers. You need to have teachers that are sold out to the word of God, that they know the word of God. They're able to rightly divide the word of God. They are not perfect by any means. They're still learning and growing as well because we all are till the day or we are glorified. But, you know, careful what teachers you surround yourself with. And so the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher, but we don't have to worry about false teachers if we're truly submitted to the Holy Spirit of God and taking everything back to the word because the Holy Spirit will teach us truth through the word. That is what's so important here. We need to defend the word. We've got to first take our minds and come into agreement, reckon, come into agreement with what the word of God says. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. It's finished. The word of God is our final authority in every area of our lives. It's your final authority in marriage. It's your final authority in finances. It's your final authority in education. It's your final authority in government. It's your final authority in entertainment. It is your final authority in how you and I live. Unfortunately, you guys, do you know that less than 9% or less than 10%, it's about 9% of those who profess to be a Christian, which means I, I profess to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, they do not have a biblical worldview. So we have less than 10% believing in the final authority of God, believing in every aspect of their lives, letting the Bible determine their life, the Bible determining their worship, the Bible determining the truth in which they hold to in every area of their life. Less than 10% will even confess that and say, yes, I have a biblical worldview. But when you really even look at what they think is a biblical worldview, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually less than that. Because we say we have a biblical worldview, but when we evaluate the areas of our lives, they are not, it's not submitted to the word of God. And so we're building a God in our own image when we do that. We're building a God that we are more comfortable with and a truth that we are more comfortable with when we do not submit solely to the word of God. And this is idolatry. Creating a God that we're more comfortable with or creating a God that is outside the God of who he has expressed himself to be in the word is idolatry. Saints, we have to meditate on truth. We have to dwell on truth. We have to come in an agreement with truth because the lies out there are so deceptive. The, 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 the false teachers are truly agents of righteousness they're false. So they're not righteous. That's not what it was saying in second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, but they act like they're righteous and they speak righteous things and they lift verses out of context. And then they teach 
around it and they use the name Jesus and they use language like Holy Spirit and they use these language because we can't rightly divide the word. We have not been good, good Bereans for so long that we don't even know how to study and learn for ourselves that we have just, we have surrounded ourselves with false teachings and false teachers that are really good at what they're teaching and they're leading millions astray. And this is why Paul, God told Paul to the, to the Philippians and to us today, we must meditate on truth. We must be in the word of God. We must take everything that we're learning and being taught and go back to the word of God with it. Anything I teach you, go back to the word of God with it. Learn for yourself. I hope that what I am teaching you, it gives you that desire to go verse by verse and learn the word of God as it was written in context. I say this a lot. The Bible was not written with chapters and verses. That was not added until the 1500s. Chapters and verses were not a thing. But since we have them now, which is great for memorization, but it has caused us to not really learn the the word the way we should and to really let the word interpret itself the way we should. And we're, it's easy to lift a verse up out of its context and make it teach something that it, the Bible as a whole does not teach. So I implore you today, saints, I implore you to become students of the word, become students of truth and, and surround yourself with truth and good, solid biblical teachers that can help you because we do need teachers and we have wonderful teachers in our faith. We have wonderful elders. And so don't get caught up in emotions and feelings, but use your brain and really take everything back to the word of God. I encourage you to be good Bereans. I want you to rightly divide the word of truth. And I want us to come into agreement with the word in every aspect of our lives. So Lord, I just pray and I lift up every person that's listening or watching this teaching, that Lord, we would all become better Bereans, including myself, that we would take everything back to the word of God and learn and grow in this area so that we're not easily deceived by doctrines of demons. Father, you you warned us, Jesus. You said, when I return, before I return, the deception will be so great that even the elect will be deceived if it's possible. And Jesus, I fear that that is where we are now. The deception is so great. I'm seeing people who have professed Christ for a long time or really seem to love Christ following false teachers and false teachings. And it breaks my heart. And Lord, I myself have been in deception. I myself have thought things to be true that weren't true because I didn't study it out enough or I didn't take it to the final authority of God's word. And I allowed emotions I allowed experiences to dictate if something was true. And Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness on that. I thank you that we're all growing in the sanctification process and that we do have one another and that iron sharpens iron. Father, we love truth. The word says that your people love truth. They will live by truth. They will defend the truth. We are called to defend the apostles' teachings, which is the word of God. Give us a boldness to do that. We thank you for the mind of Christ that has been given to us to understand the truth, the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to teach us the truth. And so we are fully equipped 
We just need to be intentional, make it our mission to learn the truth and to let the truth set us free. Amen. God bless you guys. Till next time. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.